0: Listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 wdt I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. There is so much missing from all of our lives right now, things that we've long taken for granted. One thing that seemed inconceivable just weeks ago was the thought that we might not have NBA playoffs, for example, or NHL playoffs. No opening day at Comerica Park. No Olympic Games in 2020. That wasn't possible. Well, here we are. Sports have often been a uniting force in the most turbulent times, especially here in Detroit. Now there's just a void, absolute silence around sports. So how are you passing the time without professional competition on television or in stadiums? Is it something that you're missing right now? And what hopes do you have that we might get our fix in some form or another Soon, we want to hear from you. What are you doing to pass the time that you would have been spending watching sports or going to sporting events? As always, the number on the phones here is 313 577 1019. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Also, call and give us a sense of What you think sports might look like and be like when it does come back. What are your expectations for a baseball season, for instance, or for the end of the NBA or NHL seasons that were interrupted? Joining us now to talk more about our lives without sports and our lives with sports someday is Bill Shea. He's a senior writer for The Athletic based here in Detroit. Bill Shea, welcome to Detroit today
1: always happy to join
0: you yes great to hear from you as well so let's start uh, with you you're somebody who spends your life with sports thinking about sports and writing about sports how are you personally dealing with this loss what are you doing
1: with your time should ask as a as a native clevelander this is sort of a reprieve for me the, the team <laughs> from a horror they, show <laughs> yeah they can't break my heart if they're not that's genius in a way um but obviously professionally um i write about <clears throat> sports uh mainly off off the court off the field off the ice the the business side um you know, the money, politics, culture, race—you know—all where all of those things intersect. Um, and so, uh, you know, I still obviously have a lot to write about. Um, you know, we're not, we're not getting the box scores, but sports is very much in uh, the forefront of everybody's minds um, because all of the various leagues and commissioners are, and things are have this sort of Hamlet act going on right now, where they're trying to figure out how to come back, when they should come back, in the case of some of the organizations, if they will come back at all. Um, So, you know, that's obviously a real topic of of conversation that millions and millions and millions of people are interested in. And, you know, other stakeholders like broadcast partners, and advertisers are very much interested in as well. Um, So, you know, I spend my days writing about, that stuff, um, and you know, I I want to see the my teams come back too, and you know, I kind of missed the disappointment at times. Mm. Uh,
0: so let's talk about this disruption and the disruption from the side of the sports and the businesses that own these sports, uh, and and what that looks like, the damage that's being done to the leagues, to the teams, to the players, and the owners. Because there aren't sports, uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of assessment of that quite yet. And maybe it's because it's a little too early and because lots of them are still thinking that they may be able to you know, come back quickly. But, but give us an idea of how disruptive this interruption
1: is. I I think there's there's sort of a scale. At the very top, you have your your major leagues, um, you know the the teams, the owners, the players, the, their various you know broadcast partners, and it's billions of dollars involved, um, millions for the players and, and owners and things like that. Um, you know, so there's an impact there, but uh, you know a lot of those folks are largely shielded from you know, the the worst of the effects. You know, even your your lowest paid major league players, as long as they're smart with their money, are doing okay. Um, and as you, you know, you go up the pyramid, you know, you're getting to your millionaires and billionaires, they're okay. It, it's sort of the ancillary fallout, you know, the, the beer vendors, the hot dog vendors, your ushers, security guards, you know, the, the millions of people that it requires around the world, to, to manage the infrastructure of putting on games, they're clearly affected. They're getting taken care of a little bit by some of the teams and leagues, but, you know, and a lot of these folks didn't just work ball games, you know, they worked at uh, other events, at arenas, you know, ice capes and concerts and stuff, and all that has gone away as well. So, you know, there's a very real human impact on the people who are not getting, you know, nine-digit paydays normally um so there's there's all of that there's all the various support businesses that are affected you know the the people that provide the sticks and the balls and the uniforms and and things like that so you know I, I'm not a real big believer in trickle-down economics in that wealth doesn't really trickle down very much, mm-hmm. but pain certainly does trickle down. Um, you know, and the, the people at the, the bottom of the pyramid are affected most. And then you have your non-major leagues, you know, your, your WNBAs and, you know, pro darts and, and things like that that don't have – they're not, they're not a wash in TV money. Um, you know, so this is a, – for a lot of leagues and organizations – at the lower levels, this is an existential crisis. Will they have the cash to survive and, and come back? Will the advertisers come back? Will the small audiences come back? And I think we're going to find out the answer to that question over the next, you know, several months. Uh,
0: also give us a sense of what the near future looks like for some of these sports. So you've still got this very, very dangerous disease that is easily spread. Uh, among people in close quarters Uh, but you have leagues now talking about well maybe we can come back and have truncated seasons or seasons that take place under different kinds of conditions than we normally do how different will sports be when they start to come back Uh, will it will it be recognizable to us uh, or will it be really different or Are we in for more of a delay than some of us think we are? I have a hard time, for instance, thinking about how something like professional football or professional basketball, sports which require contact between players, uh, could even even be played at, at a time like this.
1: I I think those are the questions everybody is is wrestling with. Um, you know, there is demand for the product at, at all levels, you know, the sport. Um but people are going to have great trepidation about packing themselves into an arena of 20,000 people, um, you know, a a stadium of 40,000 people or in Detroit, I guess we can cut those numbers in half um, with the way the teams are doing. But, you know, I I don't want to go to a hockey game of 10,000 people or a baseball game of 15,000 people um, at at, at this point. And I I think teams and leagues are going to struggle to, like, figure out Hey, can we stage a game or a playoff with six feet between everybody in the stands? How do you do that with players and trainers and coaches? I mean, these are really tricky questions. And and you know, are how much litigation exposure you know do you present yourself with if you go back too early and people get sick and die? Um, you know, are we going to fuel another wave of of the virus in the fall if we come back too soon? You know, these are incredibly complex questions. Um, people are having to deal with. Um, And there's not just millions and billions of dollars at stake, but people's lives are at stake as well. Um, And I I wish I had the answer, but I I, I don't. Um, I think there'll be some experimentation. I think we'll know in the next six weeks what these leagues are going to do. The NFL has a little bit more runway because it really doesn't start till late July, um, you know, with the preseason and things like that. But, you know, training camps and and mini camps are going to come up. Um, How do you handle that? Um, And it's not just players interacting. Like you have all your support folks, you know, janitors, cooks, and things like that have to be present to stage all of these things, you and the -the behind-the-scenes stuff. So yeah, it is the, the litigation risk and and just the morality of, you know, uh, do I do I want to bring my business back online and all of a sudden I contribute to sickening people or another wave that 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 crashes the economy even further. Um, so yeah, this is complex, scary stuff. Mm. But I, I think we'll get a little bit more sense in the next six weeks or so on what some of these pro leagues are going to do. Yeah. Uh, My
0: guest is Bill Shea. He's a senior writer for The Athletic. We're talking about the interruption in our lives that revolve around sports right now. The coronavirus pandemic has suspended all professional sports, just as it's suspended many other things in our lives. But what are we doing instead of sports? How are we filling that time? And what do we expect in just a few months when uh, professional leagues will start to think again about how to reopen. How, what would those sports look like? What will our experiences look like with those sports? Will they be dramatically different, or will we be able to go back to what we had before? We want to hear from you uh, during this segment. Uh, what's your life looking like without sports right now? Is it something that you're really missing? And if it is, what are you doing to fill the void, do you think leagues and organizations should find a way to get back soon, so that we can get back to rooting for our sports interests? Uh, and if so, how do you think they should do that? What are the things that uh, we could do to make sporting events safe for people <clears throat> to play and for people to go and watch? Uh, also, give us a call. And tell us what you miss the most right now. Which league? Are you really wishing you could uh, turn the television on to check in on or go to a a local stadium and and see in person? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter, put comments there, and we'll work them into the conversation. Let's go to Ed in Utica. Ed, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Bill, really do you think the Tigers are going to have to worry about packing the stadium? Um, but anyway, <laughs> lately, uh, I've been trying to find alternative things to bet on because life's got me down. So you're looking for anything to bet on, you know? Oh. So uh, what I want right now, you know, I'm speaking out loud so everyone can hear. Peter, please tell us who's going to be on Wait Wait each week early so we can bet on
0: it. <laughs> so you can bet. You want to open up. Uh... Betting leagues for things like public radio shows—that's a really interesting idea, Ed. Um, Ed, what what is it that you are actually able to bet on now? I'm I'm curious about that, given that sports is suspended. Are you actually placing bets on things?
1: Yeah, online online uh, online poker, online uh, gambling. Uh, but you're right, sports was one of the things I used to spend my time on. Now I'm not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ed, I I really appreciate the call uh, and the comments uh, that that I hadn't thought of the interruption to betting. Uh, Bill Shade, uh, talk about that. I mean, that is a huge part of of sports. Uh, We do have legalized gambling now, sports gambling. Uh, This this has got to be an interruption to to that part of it, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, the, the the timing was sort of ironic um, when Michigan uh, launched the, the sports betting at the casinos, um, which I think was March. Um, it seems like a million years ago now. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I went down to uh, one of the casinos to, to cover the opening of them opening a sports book. And I think it was within a day or so that like March Madness was canceled and everything that was on their, you know, their, their betting boards started to disappear. Um, so I, 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 I don't feel a whole lot of sympathy for giant casino corporations and, and lotteries and, and, you know, things that are affected by it. Um, but, you know, but, the people hired to work at like the sports book yeah they're they're affected, and you know gamblers want their stuff to to gamble on it's it's uh you know another potential new industry in Michigan that sort of got sidetracked almost immediately um by the the pandemic and the timing of it um, you know the casinos had spent millions of dollars on these new sports books and all you know fancy chairs and bars and things like that um and it immediately got choked off. Um, I, I think once this is passed, uh, fingers crossed soon, people will be right back to it. Gambling will recover immediately. And I, I, I'm always reminded, and I, I read this decades ago, that at the end of the Second World War, as the Soviets were like in the suburbs of Berlin and you know the war was like a week or two away from ending, people were still playing like the German national lottery. They were like lining up in the rubble. Like, humans love their <laughs> sins and vices, and we'll get right back to it or, you know, continue to do it in the middle of civilization collapsing. As gambling, I think, will, whatever it was going to be, it will continue to, on that path once once we are back towards you know, some semblance of normalcy. Yeah.
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about our world without sports, what we're doing, and what we might be able to expect In the coming months and years as we get back to the world as uh, we used to know it. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. Call and tell us what you're doing instead of watching sports on television or in person. And what you expect in terms of the near future. Do you think you'll be able to sit at Comerica Park at some point this summer or go down to the new basketball stadium, uh, Little Caesars Arena, come fall. As always, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Celebrating 70 years of radio in Detroit. 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. My guest is Bill Shea. He's a senior writer for The Athletic. We're talking about... The absence of sports right now interrupted like so many other things by the coronavirus pandemic. What are we doing instead of watching sports on television or in person? Uh, What are we finding to fill that void? But also, what do we expect in the coming months as seasons would uh, come back, as things that we would almost count on as normal parts of the year, come and go without them actually happening. Also, what will happen when the leagues come back together, when we get back to the world as we maybe used to know it? uh, What will sports look like? Will they be different? Will our experience with them be different? Will we want to crowd into big stadiums together to watch our Uh, Rooting interests uh, compete on fields or on courts. We want to hear from you about what you're doing right now and uh, how you're filling the time that you would normally be spending on sports. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones for that. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and put comments there and we'll work you into the conversation. And also tell us how comfortable you would be getting back to sports. And you think about this fall and college football, for instance, would you go to East Lansing or to Ann Arbor for a football game and sit in a stadium with tens of thousands of other people? Is that realistic for uh, our expectations at this point? Or are you somebody who's going to be apprehensive about that whole idea and maybe don't think it should be happening at all? Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Uh, let's go to Ariel in Detroit. Uh, Ariel, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Um, so I am a big racing fan. Mm-hmm. and As luckily, am I. There's a, what was that? As am I. I'm a huge racing fan as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, there's a, a lot of races that I watch on YouTube. Uh, big ones are... Uh, I've been watching the nascar e-racing and i've also been watching the formula e uh e-sports yeah yeah you know i I have been really intrigued by racing's response to all of this and nascar in particular uh they've moved over to the world of racing simulation which is something that fans uh, and and uh, amateurs have done for a long time we now have professionals doing that sitting in front of computer screens, pretending to drive their cars instead of uh, on the track, it, it's been a really interesting experiment. It's been a way, I think, to see a part of the sports and the and the drivers that we don't that we don't normally see. Uh, Bill Shea, that that adaptation is one of the more interesting ones. I don't think it would work though for lots of other for lots of other sports.
1: Yeah, you know, eSports e- has been on the rise for, for several years, and I've written about it here and there. Um, the pandemic seems like it's the ideal laboratory just to for, you know, to get a sense of like, hey, will people watch this when they don't have an alternative? And I, I think we're going to see the re- results of that over the next few months. Um, but yeah, I, I think... Overall, it's kind of gimmicky. Like, people want to see a NASCAR race, and they want to see the cars on the track racing Um, to to see, you know, a bunch of guys playing video games of being on the track (laughs) and racing. I mean, that's interesting, and and some people will like it, but I think most people want to see the real deal. Um, You know, I, I, I don't think... Bengals fans want to see Joe Burrow playing, uh, you know, Madden Twenty One. They want to see Joe Burrow under center, um, you know, uh, getting destroyed by the Browns on on Sunday. Um, right. as, as I say, as a Clevelander, <laughs> um, yeah, you know. So I, I, there's some in, in the larger sense, a gimmicky aspect. Which some people will watch once or twice, but in the end, they want the real thing. The people who are going to watch esports because they enjoy. You know, League of Legends and Fortnite—they're going to watch that. That I don't think that audience is, is going to any, come anywhere close to replicating. You know, your your Sunday NFL, where you've got a hundred million people watching a half dozen games or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's you know it's it's a thing that will fill airtime right now, like like we see like darts and marbles and all these other alternative sports and hobbies. You know, <laughs> filling up. Airtime as well. I mean, some of those will get some some additional audience they'll hang on to and get some traction, maybe some sponsorship dollars, and that's great for them. But um, you know, eventually people I think are going to tire of of you know virtual NASCAR. They want to see actual nascar yeah. um, which apparently we're going to see in a few weeks um and we'll see how that turns out they, yeah
0: uh, nascar says it's gonna it's gonna bring races back it's gonna focus on states where they are reopening a little faster than other places we'll see how many people though show up for uh for those events uh as as that starts to happen uh, let's go to ed in detroit ed welcome to the show
1: well Stephen, i um uh I'm not sure we're going to see sports back in any recognizable way for some time. I understand baseball is talking about it, but I can't see going out and sitting in the stadium with 12 other people, 12 other Detroit tiger fans mm-hmm. sitting six feet apart. But uh, what this pandemic has done, it's returned me to my first love uh, reading. And uh, it's also created a desire To uh, and I hope uh, DET can buy the rights to it. Uh, Listen to Ernie Harwell broadcasting the nineteen eighty four Tiger season. Oh wow,
0: wow! That would be really cool. If you
1: can get the rights to that, Stephen, you'll be governor in the next election.
0: Well, I hope I would never be cursed that way with with uh, that kind of consequence, but it would be very cool. To be able to listen to that, uh, you know that, that season and and Harwell's broadcast, along with the free press coverage of that season here, were what turned me on to professional baseball and also to journalism. It's a, a big reason that I do the things that I do as an adult was uh, the the madness of the coverage that year and and Ernie's voice in our ears uh, during that summer. Was one of the things that made me think, "Hey, what a what a what a life that that kind of work could be." Uh, but Bill Shea, this idea of recycling old sports, of old sports events, is something that we're we're seeing a ton of right now on on television as a way to, to fill the void. And I wonder if, I mean, they show those games all the time, old games, but they're doing it more. And I wonder if more people are actually watching right now.
1: Yeah, I, I think in some cases they are. Um when when ESPN was broadcasting the Jordan stuff, I know Fox Sports Detroit was, you know, putting on bad boys games, um, you know, them beating the Bulls sort of a, a uh counter programming kind of thing. And people enjoy that, but um, you know, we we know how those games end. Um I think there's a shelf life for recycled content. Yeah, and unless you, you know, start digging deep into the archive and pulling out stuff it's really cool that people haven't seen in 30 years and and only so much of that exists. Um, You know, the, the, uh, you know, it's sort of like appetizers, like, you know, that steak is coming, but you know, we're going to eat the, the mozzarella sticks first. Okay. We've eaten those. Those are good, but man, I really want that big porterhouse steak right now. Um, So, you know, that demand is going to, to continue to build and, And I think we'll get some sort of sports because some of them don't rely on paying fans at the stadium as much as other leagues and sports do. Some of them are very reliant or mostly reliant on the money they get from television. So their first desire is to be on TV because that's where the money comes from. Other leagues need paying fans in the stands. Not buying tickets and jerseys and hats and beer and hot dog and pizza and trinkets and all that because they they gin up a lot of their revenue that way um, you know like Major League Soccer needs butts in the seats yes. they're not going to play matches just to be on TV with no one watching it's it's a loss leader for them um, that I, I don't think they're going to do the NFL I think could get away could get away with it if they're going to get their full TV money out of putting a, uh, you know, sure. if they have to play a quarter of the season without fans, I think they could get away with that. And I think their TV audience, you know, the people not at the stadium will be at home watching the games because they can't go to the bar. They can't go to the stadium. Right. So, you know, your, your TV numbers, you know, look at the NFL draft um, mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. week had massive, you know, its biggest numbers ever for all three days. Cause there was nothing else to watch. What else are you
0: going to watch, right?
1: That's yeah, right. you know, are you are you going to watch, you know, Game Six of the 1984 World Series? Well, if you've seen that ten times, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it, yeah, you're going to watch maybe once or twice. But yeah. you know, it's the demand is just enormous. Yeah.
0: All right, Bill Shea, senior writer for the Athletic. Always great to catch up with you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. That's going to do it for me this week. I'll be back on Monday when we're going to speak with the lead attorney in a case that says Detroit kids have a constitutional right to literacy and we will mark the 50th anniversary of the Kent State shooting and talk about what that means today. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again on Monday.